Welcome to the Take Good Care podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bradshaw. No one wants to become highly skilled at navigating a medical crisis by actually navigating their own medical crises. But I'm here for it. I'm here to help you avoid the learn-as-you-go education in healthcare that I've experienced throughout my own healthcare journey. And I'm also here to facilitate inspiration with guests who get you. We get you. And we're here to build community. So let's get started. Welcome to the Take Good Care podcast. Thank you for joining me. It will just be me today. I'll be covering a topic that's happening right here in our community, and I'm guessing it's happened in your community as well, or it will in the future. Tracy Carter is a physician assistant, and she is a participant in module one of the Empathetic Healthcare Practices course. She also happens to be my primary care provider, or she was, and I invited her to participate because she's a shining example of an effective, communicative, and respectful patient and provider relationship. All of that said, Tracy has made the decision to leave the provider group under which she's worked for many years. She's been my primary care provider for over a decade. Now, I believe primary care is one of the most important aspects of care you will utilize because everything begins with primary care and then ripples out from there. If you have a solid relationship and effective communication with your primary care provider, then when something comes up that is outside of the scope of that provider, the best thing that your primary care provider can say is, I don't have the answer, but I will find the answer. And then that means a referral to a specialty care provider. Everything begins in primary care. It's very important that you feel comfortable, that you feel open, and you feel heard by your primary care provider. So nobody likes change, right? Most people don't like change. So I think you can relate to feeling discombobulated when the provider you've had for many years is no longer an option for you. I feel a bit like a vessel without a captain or a co-captain, right? Because we work as a team with our provider to navigate our healthcare. All of that said, the intent of this episode is for anyone who is seeking a different primary care provider to do it in an effective, calculated manner that will hopefully yield you the gift of a new primary care provider who takes just as good of care of you as the one who's left the practice where you're currently seen. So let's talk about this. All of Tracy's patients received a letter from her letting us know she was leaving. And then I believe it was a second letter. Maybe the information was in her letter. There was a list of primary care providers who were accepting new patients. So fortunately, we had a list to choose from. And I'll just tell you the process that I use when seeking a new provider. Now, this is true whether you have a provider who's left or you have a provider you want to leave. First of all, think about recommendations. Ask your friends, ask your colleagues, who is their primary care provider? Now, it's possible their provider isn't accepting new patients, so you'll have to move on. It's also possible that you'll receive a recommendation for a provider that's outside of the group you're currently utilizing. Now, if your insurance covers this other provider group, then you could choose to leave the group you're in and go to that other group to see that new provider. It's a little complicated that way because maybe you're seeing other specialty providers or other providers for other issues, and then you would have a primary care provider outside of that group and then your other providers in a different group. So 
you have to weigh the pros and cons of that. So for today's sake, let's just assume you're staying with the same provider group. When I look at this list, the first thing I'm thinking about after I've received the recommendations is gender. Do you have a preference of the gender of the provider you see? For me, I want to see a female. I felt that way during my childbearing years, and I feel that way now as I'm entering premenopause. I'm 51 years old. I want a female to help see me through the years of menopause. Maybe the gender of the provider you see doesn't matter to you. In that case, you have that whole list open to you. In my case, it narrowed it down by almost half. So the next thing I recommend doing is calling the office of the provider you're considering. You won't end up speaking with the nurse or the medical assistant, but you'll probably speak with the person who makes appointments for that provider and has a working knowledge of that practice. Let's say the person's name is John. I would ask John, if I were to wake up with flu symptoms today, how likely am I to see my primary care provider for a same-day appointment? If it's not likely, then how likely am I to see the same second option provider when needing a same-day appointment? Because ideally, you're not seeing four or five different providers every time you need to see somebody. Now, maybe you're someone who just goes for your annual checkup every year, and you can schedule that months in advance, and so it's not that big of a deal to you. You're only going to see that provider every once in a while. But if you're someone who's navigating a critical or a chronic illness, and you want to be able to see your provider if you have a flare-up of some type or a complication of some type, then you want to know how likely is it that I can see that provider within a day or two or three. The other thing that I would ask is if you are a patient who is navigating an illness that involves other specialty providers, I would ask, does this potential primary care provider already have an established relationship with my specialty provider or providers? You want to know that they're already communicating well together, especially if they'll be communicating frequently as it relates to your case. Now, I'll give you a for an example of how I've navigated this over the last couple of weeks. I narrowed it down based on the criteria I explained, and I called to speak with someone to make an appointment with this primary care provider. I spoke with a woman I'll call Jane, and Jane was very helpful and just explained to me that the first available established care appointment isn't until December. December. Yeah, long ways away. And so that concerned me right away, thinking, I can't see this provider till December. And she said, no, no, no. You can't go for your sit down, get to know each other, maybe an hour long or 45 minute appointment for your first time visit with her. If you have a need for an appointment with her between now and then, I can schedule that out for you. So for me, I have to have a breast MRI once a year and an MRI and blood work once a year, extensive blood work. And so those stagger. So every six months I'm seen. Well, that's coming up in July. So I won't have had my established care appointment with her yet. But what she explained to me is you can schedule your follow-up to your mammogram and your follow-up to your blood work with this provider. So this is the part I think is also helpful when establishing care with a new provider. I'm talking with Jane, who's incredibly kind, helpful, communicative, supportive of this transition. So she recommended that I go ahead and schedule the appointment with her for July. The new provider could order the tests, whatever I needed, and I could get those tests done. And then the provider could just follow up with me after the results are in. I said, I need to be able to do it the way I've always done it. Can I tell you how I've always done it? And she said, sure. I said, I need to come into the appointment with all the tests done 
and we discuss whatever findings there are. And then that's the end of that six-month checkup. I don't want to come in and talk to her, her schedule these appointments, and then me read about the results on my chart, which is our online portal. And she said, okay, well, let's let's look at that. And that's when we started taking a deeper dive into, okay, when is your next mammogram? Yes, the blood work's already been ordered. So we were able to set an appointment for seven days after my mammogram and blood work so that I would be seeing her following the testing, not ahead of the testing. It's a little detail. Some people might not care about that little detail, but for me, it's key. It has to go in that order. And what I loved about that phone call is Jane recognized how important it was to me. And instead of doing it the way she may have always done it, she easily flipped it to the way I've always done it. You see the difference? Both ways work, but the way I suggested works best for me, the patient. And this person who I would likely be talking to for the rest of the time that I am with this provider and for the rest of the time that she's working for this provider, heard what I needed and met the need. So already I'm liking this new provider because I like her support staff, at least the first person I've encountered. That's important too, the support staff. If I'd have called and gotten a rude, unhelpful person, I might've had to question, is this the person I'll deal with all the time? And then I would have gotten to the bottom of that, finding out, is this a staffing issue? But in this case, easy peasy, really nice, helpful person, got me the appointment I needed for when I needed it. I share this as my example because it is a lesson for us all about making sure our needs are known when we call and talk to the person who is the gatekeeper, really, for the entire practice. That's the first person you're going to talk to. And there may be more than one person who answers that phone, obviously. But I got lucky that day because I like Jane. She was super helpful. And I'm good to go. I'm all set. You know, it's tough. Over the years as a patient and caregiver educator, the biggest complaint I hear is about providers not listening, not taking their time. There's not enough time. There are plenty of providers out there who do care, who do listen, who do take their time. Now, they're all operating within the constraints of the time they're given. But if you're in a situation when you need more time with that provider, ideally that provider is going to give you that time. If you're just there for simple things and get in and out, or you come prepared with your questions ahead of time so that you can effectively get through those questions and answers, then everyone benefits from that. So I have my, um, my appointment with my new provider, potentially my new primary care provider, in July. And I will glean a lot from that appointment and letting me know if I want to keep the December appointment to establish care. It's a process. It's not simple. But you got to start somewhere. So in summation, work diligently through those lists of pros and cons or those characteristics that you're looking for and pick up the phone and just start calling. Get online and start reading. And then once you've set that appointment, you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief knowing that you got that done. You'll go to the appointment and see what happens from there. I do hope this was helpful. I think just going through the steps myself and hearing them again is helpful to me because if for some reason this provider doesn't work out for me, I will go through this checklist just like I did with you today and start the whole process over again. But I have my fingers crossed and I'm hopeful that this provider will work out for me. 
And I wish the same for you and your search for a primary care provider or a specialty care provider, either one. I want you to be in good hands. It's been a pleasure today. Take good care.